Please be seated. There's a familiar pattern in our stories that we hear. Jean Valjean, the thief in Les Miserables, ends up caring for Cassette and being forgiven. Snow White and Sleeping Beauty are raised from the curse of death-like sleep by love, really. One way or another, a lot of our favorite stories have death and resurrection in them. It's true today of Jesus' parable of the prodigal son as well. A magnificent story of God's overwhelming and abundant mercy and his gracious love for us in Jesus' death and resurrection. It really is a death and resurrection parable all the way through. It starts this way, a man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. This story begins with a death, in fact. This is the first of three deaths in the parable. The father, for all intents and purposes, drops legally dead. This is exactly what the younger son is asking of his father to do when he requests that his share of the property be given to him. The Greek word literally means his bios, his substance, his life and living, his being. Shockingly, the father doesn't put up a fight or argue at all. He simply divides his property between his two sons. The younger son essentially is saying, I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming to me right now, and then I'll be off on my way. It's exactly what happens. He quits the family business, he breaks that relationship with his father, and he leaves home to go to a far-off country. It's there in that far-off country where the second death of the parable occurs, at least maybe the beginnings of the second death. After a few days away, he squandered his inheritance, every last shekel spent, wasted, squandered on reckless living, St. Luke writes. Wine, women, gambling, what is it? We don't really know. Really, it doesn't matter either. Whatever the details, the younger son finally wakes up dead. He here is a Jewish boy reduced to cleaning pigs. The indignity, the humility of slopping hogs for a local, probably Gentile farmer. And he comes to himself and realizes that whatever life he had, it's gone, it's over. The money is out. And he is out of everything too. He stares at the hog trough and looks at his life and he finds nothing. Even the pigs have more than he does. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But here I perish with hunger. So not knowing what to do or where to go, he goes back to the one place he does know. He goes home. There's a little bit of a picture of repentance in there. Repentance is returning home where we belong, too, knowing that we've been away in whatever far-off country sin has brought us. We stink. We're broken. We're hungry. We're alone. We want and we need to be home again in our Father's house where we really, truly belong. There's an irony here, though, in the story that even though the prodigal son is staring death in the face and starvation, he does not yet realize that he is dead yet. He's still stuck on bookkeeping. He's still stuck on keeping rules and regulations and laws for his father. He thinks he can come back home and make a deal with his father, work his way back into the family, or at least his good graces. I know what I'll do. I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no, no longer worthy to be called your son. So far, so good as a confession. But then he goes on, treat me as one of your hired servants. But then to our surprise, this father in the parable is full of surprises. He makes no deal with his son. He offers up no contract, no transaction. He will take him not as a hired servant. In a moment of pure, 100 proof, rather outrageous grace, the father sees his son still a far way off coming down the road, and he takes off running, running like a, maybe like a kid to a playground. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. As if the father giving his son his inheritance before he died wasn't crazy enough, this father outdoes himself again. He runs. Now that may seem like an obvious thing for us parents to do today, but in the ancient world, as kind of like today too, rich men don't really run. They may saunter. They may stroll a little bit. But they're not going to run. That would be undignified. But this father cares nothing about his dignity at this point. He simply wants to greet his son. So he runs to him with his outrageous, lavish, gracious compassion. And the son is pardoned. He's set free. He is forgiven. He's released of all guilt. He is welcomed and accepted back into the family, even before he can utter a word. The father embraces him. He kisses him. The son does get out a few words, though. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's true of each of us, too. Unworthy, unclean, undeserving sons and daughters. But God's love for us is like that father's love for his son in the parable. It's not based on our worth or whether we have earned or deserved his love, because honestly, none of us have, but on the Father's pure love for us, poured out for us in Jesus. So quickly the Father then runs to his servant. He has the servant bring the best robe. Think Joseph and the coat of many colors. And it clothes his shame. It covers him, just as we are covered and clothed by Christ in baptism. And then he gives him a ring, a signet ring, a sign of trust of restoration to the family. Now he is able to do the family business with the family authority again. And then shoes on his feet. It sounds a bit strange, but servants and slaves did not get to wear shoes in the ancient world. Only family wore shoes. So the son, once again, is part of the family. He is lost, but now found. He was dead, but now alive. And finally, here comes the third death of the story. The father says, bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us celebrate and eat. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. You see, the fattened calf existed for one reason. The fattened calf had one important job, to stand ready in his stall, to drop dead at a moment's notice in order that people may have a party and celebrate and rejoice and be glad. It really is a wonderful picture of Christ's sacrifice for us. The lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, ready to drop dead at a moment's notice to save us. And then, who invites us to his banqueting table here, to feast, to rejoice, 
to be glad and be merry. For we who were dead are alive again in Jesus. We who were lost are found again in Christ. And you may think, well, that's the end of the Father's mercy. How could he possibly outdo himself anymore? But there is more. The Father's outrageous, unexpected grace continues. He goes out to his elder son. He begs him, pleads with him to come and join the party, to celebrate and rejoice. But we know, sadly, the elder son wouldn't have any of it. With incredulity and anger, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. This older son is lost, just as much as the younger son was, just as dead too, only he refused to believe it. He was really hell-bent on keeping his own set of rules and laws and bookkeeping. Son, you are with me, the father says. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, this parable is really about Jesus first and foremost. About our Lord who left his royal throne, the home of the Father, emptied himself of all of the privileges and honor of being that only son of the Father to take on our human flesh, to be humbled for us, to join in the lostness of our death. Jesus came to be and live in the pig pen of our sin, to roll in the muck and mess and mire that we've created in life. He was baptized into it in the Jordan, crucified for it on the cross, buried in it, but then rose again from the dead for you. Which means this parable is about us too. About how you are baptized into this Son. How Christ has embraced you in his death and resurrection and brings you back to the Father. How you are clothed in our Lord and forgiven. How you are called his own dear child. Because God's Son has found you and brought you home. Claimed you, redeemed you, raised you clothes you and forgives you and brings you home to him with great joy now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.